You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. Podcasting from beautiful East Tennessee and brought to you by BRV Studios, this is Have You Heard, our show that brings up random news and crazy events with a lot of other topics you've probably never heard of. For instance, have you heard about the odd way the Hell's Angels get back at you? Or the wild fantasy of a doctor getting him charged with a murder? What about the cover story a drug impound in Argentina gave when some weed went missing? Also, Spotify, iTunes, which do you use? We cover this and a whole lot more. Here is episode 43 of The Big Red Van. All right, brother. Here we are, episode forty-three. H Y H. What up? What up? Here we are. What? How do you say that again? Oh, we gotta shit. keep it up. Uh, forty-three. Quarantine There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, now we can can continue. Can continue. Yes, so. we can. All right. Um, it's good to be here, man. It's yes, a little sir. cold outside, but about got the heater on. It's gonna be warm tomorrow. It's Tennessee. I know seventy degrees tomorrow. It's yeah. crazy how this works. Forty, <laughs> seventy, thirty, whatever. So. Um, here we are almost to the day, to the episode one. Episode one was recorded. As far as when we're recording this. Right. So. Uh, episode one was recorded on 4-19-17. Yep. And released that very same night because we were, couldn't wait. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. We were so excited. We were <laughs> well, that like, was, we're getting this That out. was very much before uh, we thought about editing things. Oh, we didn't care. You know. No, it was get it out there. Please, yeah. just somebody listen to like, it. We're not worried about levels of things. It was just like, no, we're done recording. Export, yeah. upload. Let's go. We didn't even care what we sounded like. Yeah, it was we didn't review like, any. Wait of it. a second, you got my voice on there? Okay, that, that's enough for me. And then we released it, and uh, it was a lot of fun to listen to. And to be honest, it's by far the most played episode that we have released yeah. over, like by far. Oh yeah. So, I think it's funny how when people come in and listen, I think that they go all the way back to one to kind of see what we're about. <laughs> and I don't feel like they get a full representation of what we were about cuz we don't th- we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Do you remember what we talked about in episode 1? Um yeah, we I mean it was uh like what your stuff that you brought that you were so excited to kick off the Big Red Van podcast with. Yeah, I think I talked about like SpaceX um and Elon Musk and wanting to go to Mars and I think because he had just recently made a public statement about his official date or something like that that he was trying to get to Mars. And, and I was, how many times did we talk about that throughout the course of the last year? Oh, a lot. Endless. Yeah. So it was awesome that you started off that way. Yeah, that's definitely a, a trending topic for us. But I remember the one point that I talked about that I thought that I just – it's just one of those facts in history that I just love. And it was when we were talking about um, the Wright brothers – and what was it like 1912 or whatever 1910 Somewhere around there yeah uh where they made their little glider run where you know in first flight and there was like well oh my god you know that this shasty little plane thing glider with a motor on it and flew like 100 yards okay. it's possible yeah it's possible <clears throat> okay fast forward like what let's see here 100 years uh 20 something years and we've got like legit planes flying around oh right yeah okay Fast forward like another 15 years, like World War II, and 
we've got legit like high altitude bombers and everything else okay and then fast forward like 15 more years and we've got rockets like and we're going to the moon <laughs> you know what i mean like it's and then here we are today with and, spacex and, that has launches like booked all the way through 2020 yeah i mean just the timeline on going from that to this is insane because i think you um who were you talking about in that episode what was your uh your three top my three top was actually about the young man in kazakhstan that grew up on the side of a mountain i think i dubbed him eagle boy Mm -hmm. because his uh like life's mission to prove that he was a man was (laughs) he had to capture and train a wild golden eagle and to do this he had to steal it to hunt goats with to hunt to hunt for him right and his family so like first survival he yeah. had to do this and it was so it was a mode of of living and it was also a way for him to prove his manhood you know by the time he was 14 this had to be accomplished right so if you haven't caught episode one he had to go capture a golden eagle baby out of the nest meaning he had to rappel down the side of a mountain and I mentioned this in episode one, without proper repelling equipment. While deflecting Mama. So Mama Eagle comes in screaming. You got an eagle scream for me? <laughs> comes in, just talons out at this 14-year-old boy, just hoping that she can pick him up and toss his ass off the side of the mountain real quick and problem solved. Yeah. He has a leather flap on his arm to fend her off. He does so successfully. Steals a baby out of the nest, takes it home, trains it, how to hunt for him. And it's like the most amazing story ever. Yeah, that's just crazy, man. Because we talked about uh, what you have to do in America by the time you're 14 pales in comparison. Like well, that, you know, isn't, there's nothing even fal- close. Like falconry is is a thing and has been for a long time. But like we're talking about like peregrine falcons and you know hawks and stuff like that that are you know not giant. You know they're decent sized. Like you can hold one on your hand, but a golden eagle. Golden eagles are huge. Like that is a massive, big, big ass bird. No, they they grown. can kill a one hundred and forty pound goat. Yeah. <laughs> so tossing a fourteen year old boy off the side of a mountain isn't as hard as what I maybe made it sound like. You know. Yeah. Pretty easy. That was a so. Yeah, I talked Eagle Boy. I talked um, a story from high school. We had story time. Yeah. That was back when we thought that. Uh, People would be more willing to come on and tell great, great, you know, stories. But then it was almost like pressure. Like people felt, you know, the pressure to tell the funniest story ever. And I pulled one out from, it was like the first one I could think of as like one of the craziest things that ever happened with We caught the guy jacking off in the closet. Yeah. Like me and the cops, me and the cops walking through the house after I had a party raided by the police to make sure all the rooms were clear and the people were gone, underage people were gone, mm-hmm. caught a drunk kid jacking off in the closet. So <laughs> it was, I'll never forget it. So I'm not going to name the guy cause I know the guy, but <laughs> I'm not going to name who it was, but yeah. And Jared corroborated on the last episode. He was at that party. So oh, this is, yeah. this is not something I made up, but, uh, <laughs> So 42 episodes later, I finally got corroboration on my story. <laughs> 42 episodes. <laughs> but uh, episode one was a lot of fun. Yes, but it was. But it was a lot different than what we have now. We have some structure. We like bringing people the little-known stories from the interwebs mm-hmm. or from things that we hear locally or things that we're just flat-out into. 
and uh, hopefully it's a lot of fun for everybody. We we want to make it fun and maybe teach you a little bit of something, but but mostly make it fun. Right, and then I mean we've got the guest segment also. Yep. We've titled it "Who Is It," so we're trying to let you know that that we still want to bring on guests. We still want people coming in here to come in and tell us those funny ass stories, like we were trying to tell on episode one. And it doesn't have to just be us. And you've noticed from listening to past episodes of Who Is It that as soon as a guest comes in here and tells something, it triggers something in our mind that we're like, oh, shit, I remember something to myself, too. Mm -hmm. So it always works that way. It's a lot of fun. And then Van Top is something that we uh, started out as Three Top and refined it into Van Top. And it's something that we wanted to do... um, less often so that way it felt a little bit more important right so it's our special episode correct and van top is there's actually going to be one that's coming up soon so look forward to that but all this said i've got a list you have a list my friend no i'm fully unprepared for this episode i'm just gonna wing it as usual everybody have you heard Uh, so this uh guy dale killen i know this guy uh, he's the president of the Manitoba Nomads, which is a chapter of the outlaw motorcycle gang, the Hells Angels. I was going to guess that it was a minor league baseball team. But go ahead. <laughs> so he heard about some of his members had been turned away from a hotel because they had their logos on, you know, the the vests. And They're the wearing jackets. their colors. Yeah. So, um, so when you think about a biker gang and them trying to get something that they want... What are some of the tactics that you think that they might use? I would like to think that they you know, practice. Be, in, be, uh, being that they are um, classified as a criminal organization in most countries, including Canada, where this story takes place. So, so this is Canadian bikers, though. Canadian. Okay, so we're not talking like <laughs> South Louisiana bikers. They're still bikers. Hell's Angels. They're still Hell's they're Angels. They're a chapter of the Hell's Angels. They are a chapter. <clears throat> they wear their jackets. Yeah. So what do you so, think are some tactics? Of, I would like to think you know, there are some ruffians. Okay? Of course. They're going to come in. They're going to you know, grab you by your shirt collar, maybe slap you around a little bit, um, break a beer bottle over somebody's neck if they have to. Oh, yeah. I mean, intimidate um, you. Yeah, of course. Come um, in with like 15 dudes and threaten yeah. you. I, uh, one beer bottle over some, over some random guy's forehead sitting at a table next to you <laughs> is a very easy you know, intimidation tactic that I've seen – the hell's angels do of course haven't we all i mean yeah i mean they have their reputation yes right so let me just tell you about what happened first so basically some bikers went to try and check into a hotel uh in like february ish um and they were of course members of the hell's angels they got their patches and their vests on and the hotel has a strict policy on not serving gang activity or anything that's affiliated with. Strict policy. Strict policy. Of course. And like I said before, in Canada, they are officially categorized as a criminal organization. So sure. when you've got your patches on, you're literally saying, I'm a criminal. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of good reputation that goes along with Hell's Angels. So they were turned away. Yeah. Okay. So Dale Killen, being one of their leaders of the Manitoba Nobads, when he heard about it, he called on them to boycott the business. Okay, hmm. peaceful protest. It gets this is it's impressive to me that this is the way, the way it went. Well, that's why I wanted to underline the fact that they were Canadian Hell's Angels. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Um, 
But that's, of course, when uh, Dale Killen, the Almighty, heard about uh, the story of these two patrons. Okay. So he called on them to boycott the business. Then, after a directed move from Dale, his followers and supporters took to social media to express their displeasure with the Marion Hotel. So not only are they boycotting, but now they're using Facebook. They're going to write him a very stern letter. They went to the hotel's Facebook page, which had... Many hundreds of reviews at a rating of about four and a half stars. So they obviously were good, you know? Yeah. A good reputation. What kind of hotel did you say this was? Um, just a hotel in, in Manitoba. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just checking to see if it was like a Marriott or... Oh, yeah. you know, it was just called... Like an embassy suites, you It was know. a Marion, is what I said. The ah. Marion Hotel, whatever that is. I've seen Marions before. Um but anyways, so his followers, by the many, many hundreds, were all giving the hotel a one-star review, obviously bringing its pristine rating significantly down. Bikers taken to the Yelp game. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, this made the hotel take its Facebook page down because it was just out of control. They couldn't stop it. It was just nonstop negative reviews. So any normal person traveling that has no idea about this little spat that they these people have would just see, oh my god, this place has two stars. Could they else. not just like put a post in there of them, a comment of their own, like from the hotel that said, "I think you see, can see these people's um, pages, P- look at these people's personal pages before you view our um, right. hotel, <laughs> before you view us as uh, some piece of shit." Point was, it got out of control, and they couldn't stop it. Manitoba, so, what? Uh, nomads. Nomads. So anyways, um, they made them delete that Facebook page. Then, when that page was down, the followers discovered that there was also another page for the restaurant inside the hotel. Did mm. the same thing. Wrecked it. Restaurant sucks, too. Yeah. Yep. Wrecked it. Got a, forced them to delete that one, too. They've got rats. Um, apparently, Cockroaches. <laughs> then, they went to TripAdvisor. This is after both the Facebook pages got deleted. Then they're like, oh, let's get on TripAdvisor. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fake um TripAdvisor like negative reviews but TripAdvisor that's like their that's what they do so they were able to go in very quickly and wipe all that out like to where every review was reviewable before it was posted which meant that none of them would ever be posted right TripAdvisor was able to shut it down that didn't stop Mr. Dale Killen from doing his best to the shut almighty him, the almighty right uh to shut down this. he wouldn't have risen to that rank if he was going to stop at this i know right i yeah. mean but uh so in 2009 he was uh, actually i mean he had just gotten out of jail mm-hmm. uh, in 2009 he was sentenced to eight years in prison for his role in a drug trafficking operation and for also trying to recruit gang members into a criminal organization would it have happened to have been crystal meth oh uh, I, it probably was. I'm going to wager a good portion of my income that it was crystal meth. <laughs> so w- one thing that I thought was kind of funny, though, is the Canadian Broadcasting Company uh, news, the CBC, CBC news, yeah. um, which is where this story came from. Um, they reached out to Mr. Kellen and the Hells Angels Motorcycle Club um, asking him about this boycott and stuff like that. And uh, the messages were not returned, but... Like a day later, all of those posts calling on the boycotts all were deleted, and he never replied to anything. Hmm. Just like a thief in the night, I know, like right? a gypsy, like just we disappearing. Screwed this company up, and then 
We didn't say anything. You know, no, 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 no. See, no. and that's garbage. That's <laughs> such trash. But I mean, hey. But my favorite thing is just the fact that this was a biker gang. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a biker gang raising hell online or raising hell in your lobby? Oh, definitely. What's worse for business? <laughs> I don't Real, feel, I what's don't feel really like, worse for business? I don't feel like I need to answer that one. No, you don't. So that's that's where I'm like, how can you not control that better? They weren't prepared enough. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just because it's the Marion and not the Marriott. Yeah. Because if it was the Marriott, they would have been a lot better protected against stuff like this. And maybe if it was a Marriott, they would have just went in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Everybody, have you heard? Dr. Andreas Niederbickler, Niederbickler. A, a top plastic surgeon in Germany, is under arrest for his involvement in the death of an online lover back on February 20th. The charge on the doctor... His online lover? His. One of his online lovers. One of. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> the charge on the doctor is, quote, bodily harm leading to death. Because he decided it was a good idea to dip his dong in an eight ball of Coke before the party started. I used to suck dick for Coke. I seen him. Prose- oh, my God. Prosecutors say a 38-year-old woman was involved in consensual oral sex with the doctor when she collapsed inside his home. Oh, no. He lived very close to a clinic, so she was rushed in but later died due to internal complications. And apparently, this isn't, this isn't it for the guy. He's being probed directly in cases involving three other women, of which all have the exact same dong-dipping technique in the complaint. Literally putting cocaine on his penis. Okay, so you're saying... Before they go down on him. And so these women are dying of an overdose. Is that what you're saying? There's one that has died. That he's done it to four. But there's one that has died. Oh, my God. Okay. That the All four didn't know he was but doing it. But we're talking overdose here. Is that what's going down? Well, that's... Were to find out, dude, oh. dude is like just been arrested. Investigation is current. Got Investigation it. is current. So I'm sure his bosses at the hospital had no idea that he was moonlighting as Doctor Cocaine Dick to women online and <laughs> sex sites. That was Be- his username. <laughs> I hope. Oh man, <laughs> because he was named as the chief physician at Amios Hospital in Halberstadt, Germany, this calendar year. Did you say chief of medicine? Like head f- chief physician oh at this gosh. hospital. Oh, my gosh. And he's been doing this for years. Like I guess doing, having an online profile, meeting women for sex. And he's like 42-year-old surgeon. So he just wants to live that playboy life or something. He all the makes women, a lot of money. All the women that said that they did anything with him sexually, the way it was consensual. But none of them knew he was bringing the white stuff to the top of his wiener to the party. He's not currently being held in prison but a secure drug dependency unit where he's undergoing treatment for addiction. Which leads me to this. Have you ever been to a doctor? Or in, <laughs> have you ever been to a doctor that dipped his dong in cocaine? <laughs> or inside a hospital and had the feeling that the people you were dealing with or were like either on amphetamines or cocaine? Have you ever been to like the ER late <sighs> night and dealt with somebody that you were just like, Ah, uh, man. This dude is jacked up <laughs> have you not at a hospital yeah I, I constantly get that vibe from people in like casinos and bars especially casinos and bars like dealers at casinos i just assume all of them are snorting coke on they're their all break. on speed yeah all of them are just either on adderall or they're snorting coke on their break the only time i can think of uh, of where i had an in 
a uh, a run in with someone that was on on like meth, like raging out, you know, on meth. So we've uh you know we we've established the fact in the past I used to play in a metal band and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you used to run with the Hell's Angels, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, so we're at uh, Drummer's House is where all of our vehicles are parked, and we have a show like in downtown Knoxville. Okay, so we uh, load up in like two cars. Two of the cars stay behind, and you know we all carpool together with all our gear and stuff in them. We go play the show, all that great time, whatever. Coming home, so we're pulling into the uh, the alley to pull in the backside of of dude's house and. Um, cops everywhere, ambulance, like fire truck is all right there. And like, they won't let us get into the alleyway. And we're like, what in the world is going on? You know, uh, you know, like we, we were like freaking out, like what's going on. So right about then is also when they're like clearing out, you know, the, like the said perpetrator is already like gone and stuff like that. But what had happened was this dude methed out of his mind. Okay. Like, I don't know what his game plan was, but he methed his way down the alley and busted into these people's basement. Hang on, hang on. Did he have a meth epiphany? <laughs> I guess. Okay. Um, if I remember everything that happened correctly, but basically he uh, he was, like, raging his way down the alleyway, like, kicking over trash cans and stuff, stumble across this person's, like, uh, like basement area that's got a window and he busts through the window and cuts his arms to pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Typical. Like, I mean, cuts his arms to pieces like where he's like, ve- like very bad. I feel injured. like people that are running around like raging on some drugs, as soon as they break through glass, they're like, all of them are like extreme bleeders. Oh God. <laughs> and he, he just bled all over these people's yeah, basement. I mean. Okay. Like, blood everywhere. And then gets his way back out of their basement. And then back into the alleyway. And by this point, he's down at the end of the alleyway where my car is. Okay? Picks up a big 55-gallon drum that somebody was using as a trash can uh, in the alley. Smashes it through the windshield of my car. Your car? My car. My car that is parked behind my friend's house. The drummer, where we would keep all of our gear. Because, you know. Right. And, uh... (laughs) Yes. Your car that you're trying to get to. My car that I'm trying to get to. Gotcha. I didn't get to see this. This is just what is explained to me by the police whenever I'm coming Oh, coming up. Sorry, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. So let me just tell you what just happened, sir. And, of course, he has no insurance. He has no money. He has no nothing. So I'm just screwed. Of course not. You know? He's just a bleeding out meth guy. But uh, dude didn't die. But, like, that was basically how his rage fit came to an end. Was basically he was, like, drained out of blood almost. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Here I'm laughing about that. No, but that's what happened. Is like basically he came to a stop in the at the end of the alley, like dying almost. And that's when like paramedics and police were like, you know, arriving because some people, of course, everybody. Oh, he'll bleed out eventually. And but no, they saved him. He was he lived, but uh, I guess he didn't bleed as much as I thought. But I mean, he Man, was, dude, some... there was blood everywhere. My car where he picked up that drum, dude, my hood was covered in blood. My windshield was covered in blood. It was, uh, oh, it was awful. It was terrible. That is gross. That's my one running with somebody with, that was on meth. See, I've never had, I've never had a, a meth epiphany. <laughs> I could only imagine what he was thinking the whole time. Like he wasn't, st- didn't steal anything. That's the thing. Like that's the mistake. I think all of us make when we're like talking about people like that. They aren't thinking like the, yeah. <clears throat> their brain isn't in a functional state where thoughts happen. 
Like it, it's all action. Either that or it's just a color. You mm-hmm. see a color. <laughs> Man, but I I could I could just tell dude, you should have seen the destructive path this dude did. Like picking up these That's drums. That's what I mean. These like, drums it's just are not, there's so not thoughts, big and like, heavy. Destroy this. It, it, it's just, yeah. Am I not, am I or am I not going to do this? It's just <laughs> everything in its path. Yeah. People, babies, cars. Trash cans. Trash cans. Windows. Yeah. And then everything in between. Forearms. People's basements. Veins. <laughs> arteries. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's time for us to take a break. We're, uh, about a quarter of the way through, uh, so I think it's time for us to go. Do it. Do it. Hey, how's it going, Big Red Van listeners? Uh, my name is Reese Kitts. I'm Garrett Faust. And uh, we're, we're a part of a little podcast called Decent at Best. And what Decent at Best is, is we're a podcast where we ask you guys to send us in questions at our at our email called uh, decentatbestshow at gmail.com. And whatever question you want to ask, you send it in to us, and we'll answer it live on air. And we will answer them with answers that aren't great. We don't promise they'll be good. They probably won't be bad. They'll probably be around Decent at Best. Decent at Best pretty much sums up our show. We don't Google anything. Everything is all off the top. Off the, off the top of our head. So everything we answer is going to be completely first first impression, word association. So tune in to, the, to our episodes, and we appreciate it. See you guys there. Thank you. Everybody, have you heard? So a sperm bank in the Chinese capital, Beijing, has insisted that would-be donors quote, love the socialist motherland and embrace the leadership of the Communist Party. They do. Oh, Just I mean, the yeah. sperm donors? No, no, no. But that, they're basically, they're saying, we don't want you as a donor unless you are that person. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Um, so they posted a list of requirements for their donors on their social media account of the, it's called the, uh, the Third Hospital of Peking University. Peking. Peking. <laughs> Peking? Peking. I think it's Peking, actually. I don't even know. Who cares? But they said they... Shit, did you fill up my glass? Yes, I did. What is this? I was trying to be proportional. By the way, if you've never had Cooper and Thief wine... Sponsor moment. This is like the most incredible red wine I've ever had in my life. It's pretty tasty. And I hate red wine. But, this, this but I love true. this. This is amazing. How about we say, uh... Salud. Salud. Uh, Skull. Yeah. That's Swedish, Skull. yeah, Norwegian. Uh, yeah, that's what they say at the Minnesota Vikings stadium. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what else? Probst. Probst. Pro- Probst. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can continue. When it hits your lips, it's so good. The third hospital of Peking University. Is that we're gonna go? With I think Peking? it's Peking. Peking. I'm pretty University. sure it's Peking because because it's pe- it's Peking chicken, is it not? Oh shit! I don't know. I don't know. So Peking duck. Okay, that's what it is. But it said that they were required to be loyal. Because the- yeah, because there's a there's a joke about it. Like if you go to a Chinese restaurant and you get Peking duck, and it's like, like the duck's peeking at me. Like oh, it's Peking. I promise. Okay, all right, Peking. We got it. Sorry. Well, I mean that makes sense if you say the P E part P and then King. Yeah, Peking okay. bu- Peking duck. Peking duck. All right, let's move on from the Peking duck. So they're also required to be loyal to the party's tasks, be decent, law-abiding, and be free of any political problems. Okay. That's, that's their requirements. So to For be, you to jack off in our facilities, you have to have all of these requirements. You better be hardcore commie. Better. Um, but we also... Don't, we don't want you to be busting your nuts up in here if you ain't. 
also to be accepted as donors. They also have to be over 20 years old, no signs of hair loss, color blindness, or weight problems. Yeah. 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 I mean, they only want the good sperm. They want the good ones. Not to say that people that can't see color are bad ones. Um, Bald spots? <laughs> we ain't trying to get that DNA. I'm just... I'm just... That was PC me for a second. Um, what the, about China is PC? Uh, not much. Okay. They're the ones that had the uh, the discount prices on, depending on how big your titties your were. Your titties got you a discount. Yeah. I mean, they have strippers at funerals. 100%. Yeah, you're right. Um, so the men are also put through two rounds of tests, one that checks the quality of their uh, semen and one for just their general health and fitness. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. Oh, yeah. So those who passed the test uh, got paid uh, two, uh, 200 yen, which is about 37 bucks. 37 bucks. I guess it's kind of like a plasma donation. It's about the same thing, right? You know, you get like 40, 50 bucks to Except donate plasma. It feels better to, to donate <laughs> what they're donating than plasma. That's probably why you get a few dollars less, right? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I guess. Um, the but, enjoyment of it is part but, of it. But you get 5,500 um, yen, which is about $889, if uh, someone accepts your donation. Like, Ex- and wants to what use does it. that mean? You know what I mean? Like, that's how Ex- those places work, right? What does that mean, accepts your donation? <laughs> um, Can you define that? Um, well, you know what I mean? Like, if I've never participated in this before, but is it not like something they do where, like, uh, when you go to one of those places to get a sperm donor, like they have like a catalog of people that are like, this person is this tall, you know, this is their, their color of hair, history and... their color of hair and their ethnicity and blah, blah, blah. So when you're getting that donor, you at least know what a good chance of what you're going to oh, get. Oh, see, shit, I thought it was just a random roll of the dice. Like, you know, you're, you go in there and you're like, oh, well, I'll just take you what to give me. And then at the um, reveal party, it's just kind of like the... Ding. You know, whatever <laughs> it's uh that's what it is yeah. it's an asian baby it's, yeah <laughs> like, no no like you, oh, i'm pretty sure you actually you get, get to pick you get to say like you don't get to know their that's name how that works you don't get to know Shit. their name or anything like that like it's an mostly it's anonymous unless you choose otherwise if i'm not mistaken but uh yeah and then you like pick what you want i think it would so, be kind of weird to know the name of where the sperm came from but there's people that donate that are like, I would love to know any kids that I have. There's a dude, if I'm not, I can't remember all the details of the story. No, 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 not the person that donates. I'm talking about the people that take the donation. Oh, knowing knowing who it came from. If they, um, you're talking about the people that are accepting the donation. Yeah, to have a kid. If they're taking a random one, if they're not walking a friend in to be a surrogate. I guess you can say. Uh, just roll the dice for me you if know, you wanted to I'm yeah sure. <laughs> can we just uh, shake him up like a yahtzee cup just <laughs> roll it out i mean i feel like that has to be an option on the table like i want you to just there's got to be some really progressive couples out there that are that have done that before like throw there a has dart to be. yeah throw a dart at the dartboard give so us what um what, what would okay Sir, madam, thank you for joining us today at the Fertility Clinic. How, what would you like to be for the pick from the catalog for where you would like to get your DNA from? Oh, fuck it. You choose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you surprised me. Um, yeah, right. 
So, unfortunately, to to ruin my satisfaction for this story, though, they don't have any political tests. They like, don't. They, they're not in it for you. They Hayden. they don't they don't make them pass any sort of. At least there was no evidence of them making them pass a like political test to be able to donate. Well, you don't have to pass a financial stability exam to have children. So <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but a doctor on the um, the hospital helpline told. Um, the local news in China that no additional tests would be conducted for political requirements as long as the donors consider themselves quote unquote suitable uh, to what uh, to what cause they would be accepting. So basically saying like, you know that we only want the commies in here, yeah. so don't come in here unless you are one. Yeah, and don't come in here unless you want a commie baby. Yeah, oh, that's also true. Yeah, you know, I'd say that's also a good point to that. So, I mean, but then again, that's you know, competition in the market. Well, that's what's. This was to answer your question before, like, um, you know, like it has to be a donor. So the demand for donated sperm went way up in China um, because they went from the one child policy to two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was. China, uh, you know, back in like a couple years ago, said, "Okay, we'll go away from one. You can have two now." And so there was just people galore that were like, oh, my God, we can have another kid, you know. And then, of course, that. My meant- my husband already cut his wang. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He already snip snipped himself, and we want us another kid. But it is also 100% illegal to sail semen, sail semen. Sell. In China. So it all has to be 100% donor only. You cannot. So it's like blood. Right. No, wait, it's like plasma. You uh, can sell it? You cannot sell it. It has to be donor. Okay, the so, people, okay so then it's just like, like blood. Like they a, treat it just non, like blood. It's a non-profit organization that works off of donors. They had to set it that way, dude. Or you used to have people jerking off all over the world, sending in semen and selling it to people. Oh, I mean, like, the person donating still gets paid, but the person that... Basically, they... They have uh, to be volunteers. Right. <clears throat> it's just vol- like blood. Just yeah. like the episode that I talked about, Blood and Plasma. Mm-hmm. It's the same same premise yeah. of why the global demand for people, me selling you my blood, why that like market dried up <laughs> and why it was only you know from a, don- a donor. You would, you would be like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go... Too much tainted blood out I'm there. I'm going to go match up with someone. I don't need your hepatitis. Yeah, thought that was very interesting. It is very interesting. I like that. Everybody, have you heard? Of the Internet of Things. Well, yeah. So hackers are more and more targeting the Internet of Things devices to access entire systems of corporations of all industries all over the world by using things like their CCTV security cameras, or like Target, or like Target a few years ago, your AC unit on the roof. You did hear about the details of that, right? Wait, the AC unit? So these guys said they came to a Target store, right? Okay. And they said that they were um, AC, like a Maintenance air conditioning repairmen, right? Okay. They needed to go on the up on the roof to get access to their unit. Their unit was Wi-Fi enabled. They hacked into the AC unit, and they were able to get all of the data off of all the swipes through the cards through oh, the system. Like, okay, because the, the AC was hooked to the store's Wi-Fi. Correct. The AC was controlled via Wi-Fi. Wow. So, therefore, when they were able to get into the Wi-Fi, they were able to get into the network. So, now, the Internet of Things simply refers to devices that are hooked up to the Internet. and it's Like grown- your smart refrigerator and your smart microwave and your smart toaster and your Alexa and your Amazon device and your 
your Xbox with the Kinect and your computer with the camera and you know maybe even up to like say widgets inside of power plants everything oh yeah so um hayden named all the household appliances plus but many that's, more that's things the, the the things grow every year a number of things in your house that has a wi-fi router built in like you can have your coffee maker have wi-fi so you can turn on the coffee pot while you're driving home dude you, you know? are like making the case for this person i'm about to talk about Nicole Egan, she's the CEO of this cybersecurity firm called Dark Trace. And side note, cybersecurity firms is like one of the top 10 fastest growing markets in all of the it's world. It's necessary. Has to be. I mean, they the startups for cybersecurity is incredible. What do you, you know, what did we do when uh when economy grew? We made banks, right? And then what did we do with those banks? We made big giant doors to seal the money up, and then what do we do? We put armed guards, you know, in the banks, and like you know, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It's just on a different platform. Exactly the same. So, Dark Trace is the company she works for. They've been quoted as saying that with all the all of the devices that are now online, the attack surface for hackers is much larger. I like the way she said that. The surface, like the surface area. Mm-hmm. is much bigger. Think about all the appliances you just listed. Yeah. That takes it from just a computer to the surface area of what they can enter, where they can enter, how many different doors they can get into. Instead of one door, there's like 30 doors. You know, speaking of one of those cool doors, did you have you seen the cool refrigerators that have cameras in them? Have you, I have not. Oh, my God. There's like this. I think Sony makes it. They have a smart refrigerator that so you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh, shit. Do I have eggs? I can't remember if I have eggs or not. It's got an inward-facing camera you yeah. can check from your you phone. Just, you just open your phone, go to the app for your TV, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I've got two boxes of eggs in there. Oh, do I need zoom in? On, zoom in on the uh, expiration date. Oh, they're still good, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like crazy stuff like that. Like, how, can, wow. how cool would that be? Like, oh, man, I can't remember if we need It's hilarious you say refrigerators because that's what I, I want in my notes. I put re- from refrigerator systems to companies from someone – <clears throat> from the refrigerator systems at companies to someone like you or me bringing in our Alexa device to the office mm-hmm. and it's Wi-Fi device. They say and that's here and everything you say in that office, everything. Yeah. And then hackers. So again, like l- expanding the surface area for hackers to be able to enter these corporate workspaces. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and almost all of these devices are everywhere and most of them are, are not covered by traditional defenses. Things that can stop these hackers from getting into them. Mm-hmm. Things like the AC unit and whatever. Yeah. They just that's that nobody's worried about somebody hacking an AC. And somebody that knows how to hack an AC, that's cake to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's one oh one. So that's not even someone that has to have some advanced degree in hacking, you know? <laughs> I don't um, know. I don't know how to do it. But there's a story <laughs> about a casino that her company worked with who had been hacked by the thermometer in the lobby aquarium. Oh, my God. Because How about that? So the hackers used to get uh, used uh, the thermometer to get a foothold into the network because it was controlled by Wi-Fi. Then they were apparently... So, okay, so both of these cases, it's because the Wi-Fi has a network key of some kind that's encrypted that's difficult to get into. But if they can hardwire into some device that's hardwired into the Internet 
or hardwired to the Wi-Fi. Because if you think about it like that, that's not the internet. That's an intranet. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the so it's company's a localized, network. Yeah. So only certain devices are going to be on that network. So it's going to have access to certain things. And then they hack from there. But that's what I mean. Like, they're using, they're hijacking the Wi-Fi of that device. Just to get on the network. To get in their network. And then once they're in the network, it's just hacker stuff from yeah. there. <laughs> they just get in wherever it's, they need to get in. So um, they were apparently able to find the high roller database at this casino pull all of that info back across the network out through the thermostat and then up into the cloud as they stay as they say so they were able to take just downloading it all of the people's info not necessarily money from the casino money from the guests of the casino so it was like one of the credit card number that dude with the black card almost worse than taking just from the casino you know, because the casino has insurance for stuff like that. Yeah. You take from the patrons of the casino, all of the high rollers, people that are probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. That's insane. So um, the former head of a British government di- of the British government's di- digital a- spying agency has been saying for the last four years how big a problem the targeting of the Internet of Things devices by hackers will be for corporations for like the next 10 years or so. His belief is that it will get a lot worse before it gets better because all of the most easily hacked devices are ones that corporations acquire based on large-scale costs, meaning people or companies like Target are buying these lower-cost air conditioning units that are controlled by Wi-Fi that maybe have less security features to them based on cost mm. as opposed to based on security same thing with nobody's worried about that anyways the cameras at our mall for instance i wonder how cyber secure they are from hackers being able to hack into them cameras anywhere cctv cameras are one of the most easily hacked things by any corporation by hackers that want to get onto their network mm. you get into their network by their um close uh circuits tv cameras i mean you can control things. I mean, every movie that you see that has to do with a heist, it's the first freaking thing they hack <laughs> is their camera system. Yeah. They hack their camera system. They take control of their cameras. They either put it on replay. They put it on pause. They turn it off. They, yeah. You know, whatever Ocean's Eleven thing you can picture in your mind, that's what happens. And that's... Totally, what happens in real life, except they aren't using it to break into your building. They're using it to steal all your information. So, super interesting. Isn't it funny how safety always boils down to dollars and cents, though? Absolutely. How much you're willing to spend on it to will determine how Risk safe assessment. you are. That's how it works. Isn't man. that what the movie Along Came Polly was all about? Yeah, 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 where he's a, a insurance risk assessment yeah, guy. Yeah, for, for that, that guy. One. That's like Richard Branson. Exactly what he's like. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we're going. Uh, bodysuit sailing, you know, <laughs> down the mountainside. You know? <laughs> yeah, because he's Australian or something. Yeah, isn't yeah. he Australian? Yeah, and he yeah. like pulls his own tooth out after oh, something. Yeah. <laughs> he falls down. It's <laughs> just laughs. That's a good one. Um, we need to take another break. So, um, it was really good last episode to read a five star review mm-hmm. of somebody. So we hadn't had one in the last uh, time from the last time we recorded to now, but. Uh, it's uh, really cool to get those. We do read those live on the air, and uh, they're they're a lot of fun. Like I said, so this is- if you're one of those listeners out there that hasn't done it yet, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, regardless of what your thoughts are, if just if you want some words that come out of your mouth to be heard by other people, 
even if it has nothing to do with us. It can be nonsense. It like, can. I mean, the one before, I don't know if it was nonsense, but it was definitely different. You can say whatever you want. We'll read it. Well, it was from John Mayer, so it was oh, yeah, nonsense. Right. King of lizards. So, yeah. <laughs> King of Mars. Mars, that's what it was. <laughs> King of, King of lizards. lizards. Hey, Big Red Van listeners. I'm Levi Johnson, brother of Hayden Johnson, who I believe you're listening to right this very second. And I have a podcast about sandwiches with my good friend... Walt Braley. And I will be filling in as interim host while Joe Blackstock is off traveling through time. Yeah, Joe has gone back in time to find the first sandwich. So you can hear about those escapades in the upcoming episodes of SandwichCast. So listen to us. You can find us on iTunes. And you can follow us on Instagram at, at SandwichCastPod. SandwichCast. SandwichCast. It's in your mouth. All right, before we uh, go into the last couple, I've got two more. You got two more? Yeah. All right, before we go into the last couple, let's put the caveat in there that we have finished a bottle of wine, finished a bottle of wine, and my computer just took a couple drops. So that's the kind of night that uh, <laughs> we're dealing with here. This is some good stuff. Yeah? I like it. So uh, I wanted to give that caveat before these final two, just in case anything's said. In these final two HYHs, you hold it against Cooper and Thief. Everybody, have you heard? All right, you ready? Dr. Kulothungan Gunasikaran. What? I think you did that pretty good. Did I? Kuna Guthrin? <gasps> Kulothungan Gunasikaran. Guna- one of y'all says some. <laughs> I couldn't even say it the same way twice. <laughs> um. I'm going to call him Dr. Gunn. Dr. Gunn. All right. Uh, for short, Dr. for the rest Gunny. of this. Do- Gunny. Dr. Gunny. All right. All right. Um, so he was recently doing his residency at the Bassett Medical Center in Cooperstown, New York, um, when an otherwise healthy 34-year-old man came into the emergency room with terrible headaches um, that had come on like incredibly suddenly like a thunderclap. Okay. And it turns out... Is that how that goes? Yep. That okay. was a... I was clapping for you. Thunder It clap. turns out that the man had been in a pepper-eating contest. Oh, no. And had eaten a whole Carolina Reaper. Have you heard of a Carolina Reaper? I've heard of a Carolina Reaper. It is on the list of the hottest peppers in the world. It's like up there with ghost pepper. It's above. Okay. Ghost pepper used to be like number one that you could get in the u.s then they found the reaper well the reaper is not naturally occurring it's a hybrid it's Ah, like that's then they made the maybe i would almost say that the ghost chili was probably the hottest natural growing pepper and then since then there's been a bunch of hybrid man-made ones essentially gotcha that have gone hotter they're engineering them to be hotter okay um it's like what they're doing with chickens yeah so (laughs) But right after he ate this hot pepper, he had uh, thunderclap headaches, quote-unquote. Thunderclap. I've never heard of thunderclap headaches. So, it's a real term I believe that's it. used by doctors. It's not okay, just associated but, with, with peppers or anything like that. Because I've heard of like rebound headaches, obviously migraine headaches. I've heard of different names. I've never heard of thunderclap. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's literally, like I guess, the most violent types of headaches. Oh. Um it's like folks will describe it as if they felt like something exploded in their head or they got hit in the back of the head. Right. It's also quick. Like, literally, like, it. the whole thing that makes it the thunderclap headache is that basically you go from zero to a hundred. Yep. 
real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which that's where they call it the thunderclap, where it's just like boom, right? And then, you know, you've got a migraine. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, yeah, like, and you might be trickling a little blood down your nose. Well, that's so or that's out that's, your earlobe. So Doctor Gunn um, said that the man went home for a while, but then was seized by another headache so painful that it sent him to the emergency room. So the doctors ran a whole mess of tests on him. Ultimately, a brain scan which showed that he had narrowing of the blood vessels in his brain. That's which, exactly what I would have guessed. Which is what was causing his thunderclap headache. Right. Um, so. The heat-inducing chemical in peppers, which is called capsaicin, apparently has the effect in large quantities to trigger that kind of reaction in certain people. Just like it's a kapow! Well, just the restriction of the blood vessels, like, you know, in your body, okay? Like, that capsaicin can do that in large quantities to certain people. Okay. And a funny thing about capsaicin, you know how people used... Well, people still isn't do. there a medicine called capsaicin? No, no, no. It's it's an ingredient in medicine. They use capsaicin um, in certain kinds of pills that people abuse, like highly abused uh, pain medicine. Uh, they'll put capsaicin in it so that when you snort it, it just lights your whole brain on fire. Like it makes you not want to snort that pill, huh? And As it, opposed to like an addictive part of it. Well, I mean, it's still going to get you high, so I mean, you could power through it, I guess, technically. But like, they put capsaicin in the uh, in the powder as a deterrent. As a deterrent. There you go. To to you know, I a, swear there's a medicine out there called just a, the plain name of it is capsaicin with a Z. Oh, maybe there is. I don't know. Um, I want to say that it's like a antihistamine, so maybe uh, makes sense with the peppers. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean I don't yeah. know, uh, but. After he, you know, when he came in and they figured out the uh, the issue with his uh, the vessels in his brain, um, they you got him. some issues with your vessels. They uh, they treated him for a little while, um, and then they eventually sent him home. And he came back a few weeks later for a follow up, and his brain was back to normal. And he's avoiding hitting, eating those hot peppers again. Um, well, that's funny that you say that, dude. I'm someone that actually has in the past suffered with, with migraines, like ser- what I would call serial migraines. Mm-hmm. My, I actually had a neurologist. I'm 35 now. When I was in my er- mid, early to mid-20s, I had a neurologist because I had so many headaches. And I went to go see this guy regularly because we couldn't figure out why I was having so many damn headaches. Was it stress? Was it my diet? Was it just something in my body and my brain? It was kind of scary because I've said on this show before, my older brother had brain tumor. Yeah. So it was something, one of those things where anything, when, when I was having these crazy, he- painful headaches, couldn't, could not stand the light. It would like make me ache. My, the hair on my arms would hurt kind of types of headaches. Yeah. And my doctor told me that I was having, ultimately he thought that I had the same headache for nine months straight. He thought that I was having like a rebound headache instead of me getting rid of a headache. It was just almost getting to the point where it would go away and then it would kind of like this thunderclap thing you're saying, just Mm -hmm. like kapow, and the blood vessels in my brain would constrict and start to pulsate. And when you said something about the the vessels constricting, that's where I could almost feel it in my brain right now after (laughs) this half a bottle of wine, where like that's the way it used to be your vessels get really small and then they start to pulsate and you can feel it thumping in your head. Every single time your heart beats, when you have a headache like this, you feel it everywhere Mm -hmm. in your body. 
And these types of headaches are super debilitating. I've been there before. It was in my 20s. Doctors tried to pump me all full of medicine to fix me. I decided not to take their medicine. And here I am as a 35-year-old person. I'm better. I don't know what happened and what changed. But I stopped taking a bunch of medicine they were giving me. And my headache went away. So Hmm. here I am. They were telling me that I have what's called Chiari malformation type 2. Which means that I have a uh, small little uh, milligram to two milligram difference between where my brainstem meets my brain at an angle. You know, like a mushroom sits on top of a mushroom stem, Mm -hmm. just like a top. If you go to a mushroom, a wild mushroom, and flick it at the top, the top literally just falls right off. Yeah, yeah. That's the way your brain is supposed to sit on your brainstem, just like a top right on top of it. Yeah. Mine is angled back like two or three millimeters where they meet, and it created pressure, and that's where my headaches were being caused from. Mm. So um, long, long-winded way of saying that the blood vessels, like tightening, expanding, whatever, and then pulsating can create incredible headaches. Oh, I'm sure... <laughs> Uh, you talking about it makes my head hurt. It's yeah, I, I'm like pulsating right now. Um, so <laughs> pulsating. So, Doctor Gun, he <laughs> pulsating is just not a word <laughs> right now. Um. So, anyways, <sighs> Doctor Gun, he had studied a few other cases of this happening across the country of other other doctors. Um, reports on different th- you know people coming in and this is what happened you know they were sure. just checking the database i guess you could say yes he was and um so anyway he that led him to um youtube where he by no big surprise there were plenty of videos of people trying to eat carolina reaper peppers of course right i mean shit people eat tide pods man <laughs> so upon his research he found plenty of pretty much boastful ready to go people Followed by explicit language, self-hate, and a wish to have not have done what they were just doing. <laughs> self-hate. <laughs> and at least in one case, on one video on YouTube, an ambulance ride to the hospital. Um, but that was blamed on a... Self-hate. I on love a, that. On an undiagnosed pepper allergy. So that one is excluded from the test. But Well, see, this person didn't know that they was allergic to the pepper, so <laughs> they don't count. So, Dr. Gunn's conclusion was that most people don't suffer from dire consequences dire consequences from eating overloads of capsaicin. Just only certain people are susceptible to it. And everybody else, you just shoot it out your anus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you ain't passing out, you're passing it through your butthole. Oh my, I could only... Can you imagine the shits after a pepper like that? I don't even want to think about it. Dude, I mean, the shits after a night of Keystone Light are bad enough. um but one last thing about thunderclap headaches is because of the constriction in the blood vessels in the brain and all that stuff like uh the like when someone has a thunderclap headache it should be considered a an actual emergency like yeah it's almost close to a stroke yeah they need to go to the hospital um the pepper eater i talked about of course was okay um but you know, like you, if you're having a thunderclap headache where it's like something that severe, that bad, like there's a possibility of a blood vessel, like you said, a stroke, like a blood vessel rupturing. Something rupturing and then it's just game on for Or there. something stretching or tearing or anything like that that's in your brain, which is, of course, bad. Um, and I've had headaches so bad to where I thought that was happening. I, dude, I, I exaggerate not. 
I promise. I had I have been to the emergency room for headaches that I thought were going to kill me more than five times. Wow. Like, I was in that much pain where I thought I was going to die. I literally thought my head was going to melt because of the blood that was running free in my head. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, just bleeding in my brain. And, of course, fears from my brother were probably adding into that. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a headache like that, Hayden, since I met my wife. I've known Stephanie since 2005. Maybe your headaches were more than just your brain stem. Maybe it was stress or something. It was definitely my job. My job was killing me. I had ulcers at 24, 25 years old because it was so. Anyway, there's a lot of things that go into it, but those headaches are for real. For real. And whenever anybody says to me, I have a migraine, I'm like, no, you don't, you pussy. <laughs> you don't know what you a migraine is. You better check yourself <laughs> and give you a thunderclap. Everybody, have you heard? So how long does it take to develop trust with someone or a company, like with a person? Let's say with a person. Mm. It takes time, right? Oh, yeah. I'd a little bit so. of time. How about with a company? Take you time to develop trust in a company? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Well, with so much recent success all in all over what's called the sharing, quote-unquote, sharing economy, it made me really think about how much we trust these companies and how little we trust how little trust we have otherwise in each other as people. You mean like like Airbnb, Uber, like that kind of stuff, right? So simply put, the sharing economy uses technology to organize transactions between people who have goods or resources to sell and those who want to buy them. Ooh, would that also be like eBay? So there's also there's a already a list a mile long of these types of companies. Craigslist, Uber. There's things out there like nap pods. You can rent someone's basketball, cell phone chargers. Rent someone's basketball? Is that what you just said? That's what I said. (laughs) Clothes, luxury purses. This sector is expected to grow to a $335 billion industry worldwide by 2025. And their underlying foundation is that people trust them. Okay? In any type of system where there is just an understanding of trust, there will always be people who act in their own self-interest at the expense of everybody else. Best example of that being where there is hardly any kid that takes just one piece of candy from the bowl that's unattended on the porch on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Are you the kid that takes just one piece? Oh, no. Definitely not. The sign says take one. You take four. I know I'd I know I'd take three. A handful. Easy. What do you mean just take one? They ain't paying attention. There's at out of a hundred eighty five. They of them, just want the ball the bowl to be gone. All of, it's a theory called the tragedy of the commons, and it's played out many times in the sharing economy. I actually am not smart enough to explain the tragedy of the commons, but I read this guy's thesis that was written on it back in like nineteen forty seven. It's basically about the fact that there's nothing um, technical, meaning there's no technique that we can come up with as people to solve the popu- quote unquote the population problem. It only a fundamental extension of our morality will solve the problem. So meaning us being more human is the only thing that will solve it because ultimately if 
a need for war is only going to create more of a need for war is going to create more of a need for defense is going to create more of a need for this. It was a very interesting thing. Look up the tragedy of the commons. If you have any interest in what I just said, Hmm. but anyway, the last last year, over 70 dockless bike sharing companies opened in China and they raised over a billion dollars in investment, bought millions of bikes, flooded the streets of China with all of these like, Rent-a-bikes. Rent-a-bike, right? Problem number one. (laughs) Bikes were being stolen by the thousands. This happened, I think, in France, too. So that they could be stripped down for parts and sold for money. Or lazy customers just dumped them in alleys or streets or whatever they wanted to dump them. I I just heard a similar story about this in in Paris. And they just recently cleaned the canal. And they found... Thousands. Listen of to bikes. this. In Hangzhou, they found over twenty thousand bikes were rounded oh up. Oh my god, dude! They have like over sixteen quote unquote graveyards of just bikes, just like rotted up metal frames of bikes. Wow! That they just have dumped because of this experiment that's built on the premise of trusting that people will give back what they took right Mm -hmm. so according to a study done by the university university of chicago involving data from 1972 through 2016 americans trust in others has flat out tanked over the that 30-year span not tanked back in the 70s nearly 50 percent of americans thought most people could be trusted today that's in the day of people leaving their doors unlocked correct and letting your kids walk to school yeah. unsupervised. Like me. Like I would walk to school. Me and Jared, ep- guest from the last episode, we would walk to school a mile, mile and a half away at eight years old. No problem. Yeah. Like no question. Our parents didn't even think twice about it. Today there's no chance I'm letting my eight-year-old daughter walk to school a mile away. There's no way. Yeah. Like, no way. So that's the world we live in. Today, the figure sits at 31% of Americans think that the average person can be trusted. 31%. Okay? What stood out to me the most about this study was the other areas of society where trust was so low, it's worrisome. Such as the trust in the media. Where would you guess it sits? Low right now. 12 per- <laughs> 12%. Wow. Banks. 14 percent well that's dude that's what that's that's always been a problem not that long ago correct correct that's not a shocker government officials 16 percent damn but even even more troubling dude is something that i've said actually at a uh um, a gathering a work gathering where i challenged all of my co-workers i said it was a couple of years ago i asked everyone in the room to raise their hand if you knew the first and the last name of two of your neighbors. I and there, dude, there was five people in the room. There was 50 people in that room. Easy. There was five people in the room that raised their hand. Wow. Five people. And I was expecting that response. And then I went on a long tangent about how we need to get to know each other better. And we need to get to get out of our phones. And we need to be able to have more of a face-to-face conversation with one another. It was a sales speech that I was giving about how to connect with people and how to have a face-to-face conversation with someone. But it was about, do you even know your freaking next-door neighbor? You know, and that's kind of this same type of thing. We only, only 42% of Americans say that they can trust their neighbor. Say they feel like they can trust their neighbor. 
less than every other person that you see feels like they can trust their next door neighbor. 58% of people feel like they can trust their coworkers. People that they see on average more often than they see their own family only feel like they can trust six out of ten of them. I mean, that, that makes sense, though. Someone you work with that you spend that much time side by side and having to You would to think it would go on. down, not up. You well, would think you know more about how, them. It depends on how shitty your coworker is. Here's the kicker, though, Hayden. Trust in sharing economy sectors is incredibly high. Taking rideshare drivers, for example, who are complete and total strangers to me and you, where trust in them was a crazy high 88%. And I'm talking Uber and Lyft drivers. So you're saying people trust those drivers 88%. 88%. Americans trust rideshare drivers at an 88% clip. But, versus but the media and the politicians are 12s and 15s. and Correct. Oh, wow. That's kind of... That's mainly because today companies gain our trust digitally. Most commonly through ranking systems, which offer a model of capitalism that seems pretty personal to us. We get to know everything about these people before they show up. Well, that's true. I mean, like, if, for example, if I'm going to buy something on eBay, right, that person has 20,000 reviews that say five stars, this guy's the best, no problems. Mm -hmm. What do you think you're going to get from that person? I... It's it's literally driven by this human understanding of I trust you because they trusted you and it worked out for them. Exactly. It's literally built on that. And that's something that has severely diminished in our world. I mean, back in way, way, way back in the time, I would trade you my uh, my sheep for like your 50 pounds of uh, grain, right? Okay. I would trade you that, and it was built on my relationship with you. And then over time, that turned into the industrial age, where instead of me buying my goods from you, I was buying them from large corporations, where the trust in the purchase process like died. Mm-hmm. It just totally diminished through that, that age. And this is trying to get that back of the person-to-person trust when it comes to having a uh, transaction with somebody. This is my goods towards you. This is what you're giving me in return. And there is a understanding there that is like the underlying premise to all of it. Because yeah. back in the day, that's what it was. The trust was the underlying premise to all of it. Crazy. How last night I watched that, I'll call it a crazy interview that James Comey gave to George Stephanopoulos. Did you watch it? Oh, where he... I mean, yeah, he said a bunch of things. He said a bunch of things. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of reasons to believe and or not believe a lot of the things that he said because of both sides that he has played, right? True. I mean, the things that he has done. um, It is incredible, though, the things that he said last night. It was... um, I think he was... I think my favorite thing he talked about was uh, when he said he... um, Whenever Trump said about the, uh, well, uh, Putin's a, a killer... And why are we not killer? You know, we're just as we're just as we're killers too. And then in that, like when Comey was in the room, like the next time they were sitting down, he said, "Yeah, but we're not like that kind of killer. We're not correct gas bombing people and stuff like that." And that, like, literally when he's he's talking about that, and like the room just went silent, and he, you know, everybody like looked at at Comey like, "You just screwed up, dude." Like, you know, and uh, and like then almost immediately after he was fired. 
you know, like if that's real stuff, just because he called him out on some crazy shit, and it like, was all. It's all. And then he seems, got fired over it. Like, seems to be built on trust. It seems like Comey's understanding was that he was fired because Trump couldn't trust him. Like that was kind of like the underlying thing. And whether you believe this or that about him, Comey did work for the Clintons back in the day. Comey did have a young son who died a tragic death from some virus that he caught when he was like nine years old when he worked for the Clinton Foundation in the 90s. So, yeah, he does have a tie to him for sure. But he also screwed Hillary out of the election. Big time. By letting coming clean on the coming out of the thing. So it, it was I don't which, know. How, which that was funny because that was all a. Uh, I guess we I got found to something the, on Wayner's computer. A <laughs> hundred thousand emails. Yeah. Anyway, I I can't believe that I got to that from the whole trust thing, but that's kind of where. Yeah. That was what I but got. That's why also why politicians you said pulled at what twelve? Yeah. Something like that. Sixteen. Sixteen percent for government officials. Yeah. We don't trust a word that comes out of their mouth. And you know, regardless of what political view you have, I think this is a is true for for everyone. I don't think that political people are less corrupt than they were since forever. I almost would say that just because the nature of the world today, the sharing of information, the ability to get a message out there and to call somebody out for something that they're doing wrong and it be able to be a message that can be spread so quickly, we just see it more. Yeah. Is all it is. It's like, you know, the freedom of information. Hey, dude, it's act. the same same argument with domestic violence. It's the exact same argument with domestic violence. It's, yeah, we this was about that. not happening any less twenty years ago. Yeah, but we're seeing it more. It's just on video now. Correct. We're seeing more examples of it. We're hearing about it faster. Mm-hmm. It's it's more and more people are whatever speaking about it, and it's the same problem we've been dealing with. It's just a matter of are we willing to face it now or not. Yeah, and corruption and, has never not been. It's not like we were squeaky clean, and then all of a sudden, the past twenty years. We ain't. No, you know? but think about it. I mean, a very big underlying premise of capitalism itself is trust. Yeah. Whether it be the way the banks operate. That's why to companies where it's, rise and fall. It's a very, very good conversation we could have one day. Everybody, have you heard? Well, uh, so in a major drug trafficking cases, sometimes they hold on to the drugs in an impound warehouse as evidence, correct? Sure. Sometimes right? they hold on to them in their pockets to plan on <laughs> black people, but you know. Um, but you know, this is a thing. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> it's a, uh, dude, that was, dude, I, what was it in Boston? Like, like yes. seven or eight months ago, like that dude's body camera footage came out where it showed him literally putting crack in a, like a dude. I read an article the other day where, a uh, uh, guy from Mobile, Alabama said that he was, he was a white man friend with an officer in Mobile, Alabama one of my friends, a police officer, confided in me because he thought I would be sympathetic to his cause that they kept a little bit of the quote-unquote green stuff on them in case they stopped somebody they needed to frame. Jesus. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. But then I said, I saw Mobile, Alabama, and went on <laughs> with my day. So these lockdown warehouses, you know, they got to go in and audit them from time to time, right? Sure. I mean, you'd think that makes sense, right? I mean, I would. So it had been about two years since uh, there were some drugs that had been supposedly safely stored in the impound. Upon a recent audit of the warehouse, though, they discovered... They don't audit that thing every year? I guess not. Um, Not every month. 
who knows? Not every damn night. Dude, we do cycle counts on things like iPods at our job. <laughs> You're not counting tons of heroin in your lockup It was marijuana. Tank? It was marijuana. Okay. Um, they had a 6,000 kilogram trafficking load that Good they were in. God. Okay. But 1,100 pounds of it decided to go missing. 1,100 pounds. 1,100 pounds. That's like it. a ton. Yeah, or half a ton. Half a ton, okay. Um, it's a lot, <laughs> is what it is. So, you know, of course, what's the first thing in a case like this you would do? Where 1,100 pounds go missing? Okay, you got this impound warehouse. You go audit it, and 1,100 pounds of it's missing. What's the first step? Um, I'm going to look at the paperwork. Right. Where uh, was it signed in? Who did yeah, it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Go interview the people who are supposed to be in charge of this impound and sure. see yeah. uh, what they have to say, right? Who checked it in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's in charge here? Yeah. You? Where'd this 1,100 pounds of weed go? Hey, Jeff. <laughs> uh, Javier, actually. Ah, oh, so um, close. So the former police commissioner. Yeah. I'm you into like music. The, the screaming okay. metal. Well, I like all kinds of music. You okay? don't discriminate. I don't discriminate unless it's pop country and then i'm kind of checked out then you discriminate and then i discriminate but um so my big thing is because the subscription thing is not the best thing for the artist so that sucks okay because they don't get near as much money per song as they would if they were selling the actual album to people sure okay so one of the big things i'm i'm into is yeah i have a subscription music service but i make it absolutely the point to any live show I go to of any particular band that I appreciate and want to help support because nothing supports them more than buying merchandise at a live show of them. Right. Because what happens is, is when you buy an album at a store or you go buy it on wherever that you're going to buy it, there's a middle guy that takes their cut out of that. Now, see, Hayden's not referring to, like, the Justin Timberlakes of the world. Hayden is referring it, to... I, I am actually including the Justin Timberlake. Listen, world. Timberlake's taken care of with endorsements. You don't have to buy a T-shirt that says, you know, I got that feeling. But I'm just saying, if you want to contribute more to them, to this band, this whoever that you want to support, buying a piece of merchandise from their show at a live concert is the 100% best way to support that live artist. Because... They get it from the record label at a price, at the same price that Walmart gets it, that Target gets it, that wherever gets it, but Walmart gets their cut. Whenever you pay that $10 for that CD, Walmart gets a much bigger cut than what uh, the band would get if you bought it directly from the band of at course. $10. I've heard you say this before. Support the band when oh. you go see the band, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, like... You I mean, go- you shouldn't... To be honest with you, you shouldn't be going to a concert... Unless you're willing to be spending money on some concert memorabilia of some sort. Right. Period. I, I mean, it's like going to a casino with 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell are you doing? Especially if you're going to see a band where when you're at the show and you realize there's less than like 400 people there, and that band is not making that much money that night. I mean, okay? if they and, rock out, pay up. I And... Man, every time I've ever seen a live band that truly has done a good job, I make it a point. I'm like, man, I just want you to know that you did you did it right tonight because I know the plan is for you to come here and be awesome, 
and sell albums and here you are sir i'm buying your album like mm-hmm. good job <laughs> that's you know I, I i know how this is supposed to work well it also helps to have perspective in that situation and you have perspective in that because oh, you mean, were yeah, in a but, band and but it wasn't <clears throat> like i wasn't in a band that we were like trying to truly make big and like no tour but you, you don't and have tour to around a lot and try to play hundreds of shows like you know, there are I don't, but that see, I don't think do. you have to have that kind of experience to have that kind of sympathy. Because to be honest with you, I was an assistant basketball coach at a varsity level of a high school for two seasons. And it was some of the most fun that I ever had in my life. But I also felt like the minimal experience that I had with what I did with coaching boys basketball at that level gave me sympathy for what all coaches go through at all levels in all sports. That's a good point. I was able to sympathize better with the time away that they spend from their homes, from the hours that they put into their craft, to all of the different things that go into what they were doing. Without that million dollar paycheck. Without the payoff (laughs) of all of the superstars. So when you, just being someone that dabbled in bands or made some music or whatever, you still were able to sympathize with the people that were out there really trying to grind and make a living. And, and, you know, also in being in that sort of wheelhouse, like, you also know a lot of people that have done that sort of stuff. And when that band is playing and, you know, they might make, you know, a few hundred dollars sometimes at a show if not a lot of people come, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if they only get a few hundred people there and they got to split it with this band and this band too, you know, they only might make a few hundred bucks that night. Like, so that might mean their hotel is, you know, hotel and eating that night and they didn't make any money. Right. You know what I mean? Like... That's it. They came to play that show for free is basically how it goes. But if you're buying their merchandise from them and they get the bigger cut out of that, that's where they actually get to put money in their pockets. Everything's about merchandising from an NFL team to a band. It's not buying the ticket to the game. It's buying a soda at halftime. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's buying the same thing with the Vols at Tennessee. Tennessee, the University of Tennessee gets like 35% more profit when you buy a jersey from the stadium than when you buy a jersey from Alumni Hall or from the mall. Because of what I just explained. Exactly what you just said. So um, support them. If you love them, support them. Spend your money. You're already. It's like the example I said a second ago. Don't go to a casino with only $60 in your pocket. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go at all if that's the point. You might as well just throw it out the window on your way there. Flush it down the toilet before yeah. you even leave the house. <laughs> just don't go. But anyway, this has been a whole lot of fun, dude. I appreciate it. Good two man van tonight. Anytime we get a bottle of Cooper and Thief in here, I think it's going to be a good hour and a half because we're going to get long-winded. This was super, super fun. I can't wait to come back and talk more about the rest of tomorrow. The next episode, let's talk about episode two. Okay. And then let's just kind of go through, like, you remember this and you remember that? I think that's something that we could we could lead in with. There you go. Nostalgia. We've been doing this long enough where BRV can have some nostalgia. So this is so much fun. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. And we're going to catch you on the next one. And go back and listen to episode one.